1: Oh, it is time, as we just reacquainted ourselves with a shake of the hand and a hi, how are you? What's your name? How do you spell it? Good morning, Dr. History. Good to have you on uh, the show.
0: Good morning. Glad to have you back. Glad to be out here in the studio. And...
1: I am so glad to be back, but I really garnered a lot of history stories for you, you told me that, down that you got... in Arizona.
0: Yeah, you found some stuff for me. I, I'm anxious to see what you got.
1: Mr. Wickenberg, that... That uh, founded the city in 1863. Very interesting. All the gold mining that is going on down there, and all the go- you have to really be careful out in the desert around Wickenburg. If you're going out in a four wheeler, right,
0: you don't fall into a mine shaft. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I'm going to look into that. and See what stories we can and, come up and with.
1: I got to tell you real quickly. Deanna and I thought we would do a little exploring one day. Not smart on my part.
0: You didn't leave a trail of breadcrumbs. I didn't have
1: enough bread at the grocery store. <laughs> I got so lost out in the middle of the desert that there was a time, a mere moment in history, that I almost wanted to say, "Hell!" <laughs> Couldn't get out of there, uh, uh, but a, we made it. Bad feeling. There so. you go. What are we going to talk about today?
0: Well, you know, when you think of the cattle industry in the Old West, you got to think of the uh, challenges, the difficulties with, uh, you know, with the cattle drives. Of course, the stampedes, the crossing of the rivers, the Indians, the robbers, the quicksand, all those things. Uh-oh, all those were the positive those things. Those were the good things. <laughs> so, but one thing that we have never talked about on this. Show is the droughts that took place in the Old West. Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about. So, you know, in the Old West, the ranching business, of course, centered on cattle. But in reality, the livestock trade focused on grass and water. Yep, it did. So much so that droughts always threatened the success of the cattle industry, right. the whole thing. So uh, without regular rainfall, the grass, of course, would wither away and dry and die. And cattle fell to hunger or thirst. And ranchers faced a kind of a domino effect of ever-increasing consequences that were made. Measured in years rather than months. Now, ironically, the cattle kingdom that evolved after the Civil War kind of overlapped the semi arid reaches of the Great Plains, a region located between the Rocky Mountains and uh, the 98th Meridian near Fort Worth, Texas, and a region where rain made for pretty uncertain ranching. I mean, they they could not rely on rainfall. Mm -hmm. Now, from Fort Worth West to the Rockies, the annual rainfall averaged less than 20 inches, a yearly accumulation that kept the cattle business Okay, they were on edge, but they could get by. Now, the ranches in West Texas, the Texas and Oklahoma Panhandles, southwestern Kansas, and southeastern Colorado, this was where the greatest risk was because of higher evaporation rates. Now, this is something I had never considered, Zeb. Uh, In those areas temperatures and at, uh, altitude resulted in evaporation rates ranging from 52 to 60 inches.
1: Well, and then if you're talking about Kansas and Oklahoma, you're talking about a high humidity rate.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, during the, and this was during the critical months from April through September, right. all through the summer. Right. Yeah. Now, by comparison, evaporation rates farther north in the Dakota Territory, it was about half. It was about 30 to 38 inches during the same months. Right. So you've got to replace that with... With water and rain, somehow, so you know they talked about the cows that would be crazed by thirst, and they'd make a mad break for a waterfall when they smell water. Uh, cowboys would try to avoid the stampedes by keeping the herd together. And although these range herds were not, uh, these range hands were not very successful at. Stopping that, a in fact a Texas drought is not just a dangerous relic of the past. Just as recently as 2011, yep. all over you know the country's largest beef producing state, thirsty cows died from lack of water. And then here's what's ironic, Zeb: too much water. When these dehydrated cows were moved to water, they gulped it down so so fast and so greedily that a lot of them just killed over and died yeah, from and then, drinking too much water.
1: Then recently, all the flooding down in South Texas that killed a lot of livestock.
0: Right. Well, I know just with experience around horses, you know, you, when you take a horse to drink sometimes and they haven't had some for a while, you don't let them just no, drink no, no, uh, no. as much as they want. Absolutely. So anyway, because of the lower evaporation rate, northern ranches had a higher effective yield on rainfall during the hot months, more than Texas ranches. That included the XIT ranch. Have you heard, heard of that? It? Yes, I have. No. And how about yes. the Matador? Yep. And the spade. Absolutely. And the spur. Yes. It's all four of those. Yeah,
1: I, You know, I've been blessed in my business to have worked with a lot of contestants that work the, what they call the working ranch rodeos. Oh, okay. And a lot of those people work on those ranches. And, those, and they're
0: still in existence. Yes, yeah. they are. Well... There was a historian by the name of William Kerr, uh, William Holden. He put it this way. He said, quote, from the earliest days of its settlement, West Texas has had a reputation for frequent dry spells mm-hmm. and at longer intervals and severe droughts. Right. And, you know, while the large corporate ranches often had the resources and the flexibility to make it through a drought, the smaller outfits, they didn't. And, for instance, one modest rancher six miles north of Colorado City, Texas, he started in the spring of 1885 with a herd of 1,500, mm-hmm. 1,500 cows. The rain didn't come until August, and then only just in, you know, little spurts. And by the time his herd, by this time, his herd had dwindled down to 11 animals uh, out of
1: 1500? The, the 1500
0: 1500 wow. he had 11 wow and so at the price at that uh, the market price of $35 he had that summer his loss would have been $52,115 equal to 1.3 million today today i mean unbelievable yeah i wow. mean to lose almost every animal out of 1500 man so now, uh, <laughs> does it
1: say what he did for his next uh, occupation?
0: <laughs> I don't know what he did. Might have sold cowhide. I don't know. I feel bad for the guy, aye, but aye. you
1: know.
0: So, in order to get water for this land in 1884, settlers drilled the first well into what they called the Edwards Limestone to supply the city of San Antonio. Okay. Now, to this day, actually, this Edwards Aquifer provides the only existing water supply to ranches, military installations, and residents of Texas's second largest city and the nation's seventh largest. Now, there's a guy by the name of S.D. Frazier. He completed the first flowing well at a place called Carrizo Carrizo Springs that same year. Another rancher nearby, his name was uh, F.G. Oxshear of the Jumbo Cattle Company, I haven't heard of that one. Uh, anyway, he fared a little better. He managed to save half of his herd, and but the skinned the carcasses of the others to sell the hides at three dollars a piece. Three bucks. Yeah, for a cow. That, three
1: dollars yeah. after all that
0: work, and and plus the work of skinning the, skin the animal. <laughs> oh end, my you know? goodness. Well, since the late eighteen hundreds, ranches began pumping underground water to the surface through mechanical windmills, and these cattle water at a tank from a company called the Letter. Leader windmill built by T.M. Brown and Company of Fort Worth. Uh-huh. And, of course, now when you think of across the country, you just pitch your windmills all over the place, oh, yeah, right? Pumping, yeah. pumping water. So uh, the year 1885 started one of two major multi-year droughts that shook the West Texas cattle industry and forced ranchers to kind of reassess their practices just to get by, just to survive now those droughts came within a 10 year period the first one was in 1885 to 87 so about a two or three year period right there and then the second one was 1890 to 94 a four year period so twice within a 10 year span and uh, of course it varied depending on where you were at because uh, For example, the 3 million-acre XIT Ranch, for instance, stretched 200 miles along the western border of the Texas Panhandle. So some... Of the XIT divisions fared better than others during the drought because they would get some localized rain showers.
1: Doesn't I'm going to interrupt you right there, and I want your opinion on something. Doesn't it tell you in what you just stated that uh, climate is cyclical and changing, and we have records of going back to the 1880s of drought and uh, climate change, and, and then, then we have these people today that absolutely are saying,
0: "Oh, the sky is falling." <laughs> well, and then. Uh, then you got the other side of it where you have floods
1: absolutely you know.
0: so but you know the severity of both droughts varied by region in the 1885 to 87 shortfall that they called that the big dry and that was in the Pecos, Pecos River region of far west Texas, while the 1890 to 94 was on the South Plains. And it was called the worst drought ever experienced before or since by a guy named Myrtle McKenzie, manager of the Matador mm-hmm. Ranch. Mm-hmm. Now, like Charles Goodnight, there was a guy named Henry Campbell, and he was a pioneer, Texas cattleman who trailed his first herds himself. Uh, you know, he those guys had to do the work, too. They didn't just hire Everybody to do it for him. But anyway, one of his investors, a guy named Benton in the Matador Land Company, they sold their panhandle ranks to a British syndicate that year uh, because of problems. Uh, Campbell stayed on to manage it. But a drought in 1883 would uh, cause problems for the smaller ranchers whose water supply had been cut off by the Matador Ranch.
1: Ooh. And this is when. Trouble in River City.
0: Yeah, and this is when pretty soon you had barbed wire making its uh, yeah. entrance. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, let's face it, I mean, water was the critical thing. Absolutely. And if you had somebody that was cutting off your supply. You know, absolutely. Anyway, regardless of droughts' timing, the impact on cattle and the implications for ranchers were the same: death for the former, bankruptcy for the latter. Uh, the first grass uh, withered away. Then the streams and the water holes dried up. Next, the cattle would be in a weakened condition. They had to walk walk farther away from water to find grass. Before returning to find the water almost gone. So the cattle died either from thirst, starvation, or exhaustion. Now, a cow with a calf and weaning calves or steer yearlings and bulls, they died first. Dry cows and grown steers survived the best. Because, you know, they, they would. Right. Now, sometimes uh, during drought, cowboys would actually kill the weaning calves so that their mothers could survive. Uh, since their wombs were the wellspring of ranching prosperity, you wanted to keep the uh, keep the, the cow so you could have another calf crop. Well, on the Spur Ranch in 1892, the calf crop dropped 32%. That's a third. Mm. You know, from 1891, the crop of 11,000, a third of those uh, died due to the drought. Now, the smaller ranches had even a harder time. There was one called the Borden County's MK Ranch, and it branded 6,000 calves in 1893. But only 160 calves a year later, well, it bankrupted this small ranch, which was only a 25-square-mile ranch. But to go from 6,000 calves one year to 160 the next year. Now, a gal by the name of Martha Jane Conway, uh, she was a cattleman's wife living near the Spade Ranch, recalled the drought desperation of 1892. And here's what she said. There was, excuse me, there was but little grass for the cattle. We dug bear grass, and I don't know what that is, chopped up the roots and fed them to the cows. Wow. We also fed them prickly pear after burning off the stickers Mm -hmm. and cut limbs from hackberry trees and fed them to the cattle. I mean, these this was desperate times. they were just finding anything to feed these cows to get them through, yeah, so yeah. but important as feed was, cattle could go days without grass, but not nearly that long, well, without obviously water. without water right. and during the hot summer months, the cattle consumed an average of about fifteen gallons a day. Mm-hmm. so on the spur ranch, this translated into a daily need of seven hundred and fifty thousand gallons for an average herd of 50,000 you you do. I mean, even a pond would yeah. probably not survive. No. Uh, a guy by the name of John McCandless is among those XIT uh, ranch cowboys, and a cowboy who later became a uh, he, he actually became a Texas Ranger and the sheriff of Dallum County. McCandless also led the ranch's last big cattle drive, the Texas Panhandle ranch that, at its peak, employed 150 cowboys and herded 160,000 cattle, Uh, they had to abandon ranching to sell off some land as land prices rose and the drought got worse. I, I could be wrong
1: on this, and I'll stand corrected, but I believe that name McCandless was a name that was also adopted into a John Wayne movie. It, with the character, John Wayne, playing a rancher that had turned into a lawman.
0: Yeah, and he it was in the Texas Panhandle yeah. when he was a Texas Ranger. Yeah. So, you know, desperate for precipitation, the ranchers explored other options, some scientific and some not so scientific. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm going to tell you about that. <laughs> okay, a guy by the name of Fred Horsberg, Horsberg, manager of the Spur, asked his bookkeeper, a Mr. Fluke, to write... Quote Hester's weather forecast, okay, for a scientific assessment of rain probability, and he sent along a $3 subscription fee plus the ranch's latitude, longitude, and altitude. Now, Hester may refer to a New Orleans guy by the name of Henry G. Hester whose reports documented rainfall in Texas and other areas. So kind of like a prognosticator, Mm, weatherman, something, something. Anyway, the reply came back that the horoscope showed no relief from present conditions for some time to come. The forecast proved correct, even if it wasn't scientific. Now, (laughs) it doesn't take a genius to figure out that we haven't had rain for a long time, and you're probably not going to have any more. Yeah. Anyway, so forced with the reality of either moving the cows or letting them die... Actually, California ranchers, during the 2014 drought, they actually loaded their heifers and sears into trucks and actually took them to Texas because they were having a drought in California. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Now, more scientific than horoscope, though, uh, were the rain-making experiments that were partially funded by the federal government in Midland County in 1891 based on the fact that rain a lot of times followed major Civil War battles back east the scientists figured out that concussions run rain from the clouds. The booming and the cannon would cause it to rain. Really? Yeah.
1: Hmm. So are
0: these the same guys that carried <laughs> those little wooden sticks and let
1: them shake above the ground? I
0: don't know. And that, there's some stuff about that yeah, too. I bet there is. But anyway, uh, the weather people shot off cannons. They dynamited clouds on these rain-starved Midland County ranch, and with mixed results. And though some rain did fall, uh, various accounts were kind of contradictory about how much. And even so, nothing proved a connection between the the bombing and the cannons and any. Kind of ensuing rainfall. Well, the larger spreads relied on more conventional and less noisy methods of getting water. So first, and this is this is good, the ranchers dammed up some small creeks and draws to capture runoff in in big tanks. Second, they drilled wells. They installed windmills to tap the underground uh, aquifers. By 1900, for instance, the XIT Ranch had built 100 dams installed 335 windmills, enough to provide water for more than 150,000 head of cattle. And the estimated cost to do that was a half a million dollars, but they figured that was cheap compared to not being able to raise their cattle. What year was that? Uh, 1900. By, well, says by 1900. But I was curious about what kind of equipment did they have for well drilling? That's a good question. I I don't know how they...
1: As compared to today.
0: Right. That, that's a good question. I don't know how they could have done that, you know, w- without some kind of mechanical uh, uh, well-drilling yeah, equipment. But yeah. anyway, now to deal with the grass shortage, the ranchers uh, improved their range management, their techniques. They avoided overgrazing and provided cattle with supplemental feed, either grown by their own. Uh, operations or by neighboring farmers. So moving into what we do now. So So in the end, although the 19th century droughts in West Texas and the Great Plains threatened ranching as an enterprise, they also ensured ranching survival by forcing these guys, because of the lack of rain, to to do what they had to do. So even today, in spite of improved rangeland, water conservation techniques are in effect. Uh, West Texas and the Great Plains still uh, face, uh, you know, it's a semi-arid climate. Yep. And, uh, again, it happened as recently as 2014-15. And when the drought of 1885-87 broke in in San Angelo in April of 1887, the uh, editor of the newspaper said, quote, "...the sweetest strains of melody that have fallen on the ear of many a stockman in this country..." For many a day were caused by the patter of raindrops on tuesday night
1: absolutely <laughs> the yeah. bitter
0: patter of rain
1: patter can you imagine of rain.
0: just uh and then he went on to say it's gonna rain some more
1: let me ask you quickly and i've only got a minute left here what what about uh, what do they call those rods kind of a divining uh, rod or something divining divining, divining rods, rod yes do you believe in that
0: you know what i do and let me tell you something that happened years ago when i was just a kid there were two brothers that went through the ice over here on the Snake River, ice skating. And uh, there was a man, the sheriff, and they were down there trying to find, the unfortunately, the bodies. And a man drove up in his pickup and asked, what you're doing? He says, well, we're trying to find these. And so he went back to his pickup, and he got a hanger, a wire hanger. And he went out onto the ice with that divining rod, if you want to call it that, and he found the boys.
1: No kidding.
0: So wow. I, I think there is something to it, to finding water. You know, with a divining rod, and I think there's some people that could actually do it
1: we got to talk more about this it's a,
0: that's an interesting, interesting topic yeah interesting find out about the well drilling Th- that's a good idea cause I, surely they had some some mechanical technique had to, do, to maybe with a steam engine type thing could and,
1: be. yeah doctor history you never let us down except when you're not here <laughs> and uh, god bless you for a very interesting story this morning i appreciate that thank you Zed. and next week we'll see all right buddy <laughs> thank you